Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Back by popular demand, the Bridge is at the movies. Yes! Okay, who smelled the popcorn when you came in? Like, that's what we were going for, okay? Because if you didn't, then, like, we failed miserably, all right? You can't go to a movie and not have the movie theater experience with the popcorn. I just have to let you know I love movies, but, like, if I'm being completely honest, my favorite part about going to the movie theater is the popcorn, okay? Like, I have this gift. I call it a spiritual gift that I can finish any bucket of popcorn. doesn't matter how big or how full I am. Okay, my wife takes like the first little layer off the top, and then I just do the rest, and I look like a big buttery mess, and I'm all done. So we are going to transform this place into a makeshift movie theater for the next uh, month or so as we talk through different movies and, and bring biblical principles. So uh, treat this like a movie theater. If you want to sneak in candy, you can do that, because let's be honest, you do that anyway. Okay, Nobody's paying five bucks for Skittles at the movie theater. It's just not going to happen. Especially when you know your little kids are just going to have like two nibbles and then throw the rest away. Okay, So take in movie theater popcorn, movie theater candy, whatever you want to do. If you see our ushers walking around with flashlights, they're just making sure no one's getting too close. Okay, Because that also happens at the movie theaters. All right, So we're just making sure all is good. Chris wanted to do the, the reclining chairs with the heat. You know what I'm talking about, the movie theaters. But we are pretty confident people would fall asleep because our preaching is not that good. So we just want to make sure not that is happening, but we are excited for what's happening here uh, for the next few weeks. I get to preach about one of my favorite movies, The Blind Side. Who's seen The Blind Side by chance? Here's the best part at the movies. More often than not, you go home and watch these movies, okay? Like, I plan to go home today and watch this movie at some point. I love this movie because as you saw in the trailer, uh, this is a true story. Blind Side's all about this very true story of this big, large individual who grew up in some really junky situations and had some really bad just life happening to him. And so he gets picked up by this family. And it's this really powerful moment because he goes on to be very successful in football and do this awesome stuff. What I love about this movie is how I think so many ways it just tells a story of what can happen when you contrast two different lifestyles and what that can happen. So as we're going to see in this next clip, you have Big Mike, who grew up in some really tough situations, Really doesn't have a whole lot going for him. Mixed with the Tui family, who they have all kinds of stuff. Let's watch this clip. Step four. Big Mike. Hey, my name's Leanne Tui. My kids go to Wingate. You said you were going to the gym. School gym's closed. Why were you going to the gym? Big Mike, why were you going to the gym? Because it's warm. Do you have any place to stay tonight? Don't you dare lie to me. Seen that look many times. She's about to get her way. Come on. Stop. 
Can I just say my favorite part about that entire clip is Tim McGraw? Like, that husband reaction, like, is just way too spot on, okay? As someone who has a very strong and opinionated wife, like, I know that look of, like, yeah, I'm backing down because she's getting her way one way or another right now, and I'm just going to let it go because she's on to something. And uh, I just love that clip because it is so powerful about what's happening and what it's looking like when you have this two very contrasting things of he's purely trying to go to the gym because he is freezing. He has no warmth. He doesn't have the basic necessities. And here you see in the movie, in the actual film, the Tui family's coming back from a school play and they're driving their fancy car and they have all this stuff in a big house. And it's just this really cool story of the two contrasts. And why I picked uh, the blind side, what I really want to show with this clip is I think in some ways, in a lot of ways, we can empathize what it's like to be Big Mike when it comes to knowing God. Right? Like God has all this big power. He seems like this un, unreachable, untouchable God. It's a really big deity. Yet here we are. We're just trying to find that one basic need. We're just trying to get to whatever it is that we're trying to do. And in some ways, we are like Big Mike because we don't know what's happening. We don't know what it's going to look like. I think of the uncertainty that Big Mike probably felt in that moment. The uncertainty of where is he going to sleep tonight? What's he going to have for dinner? Because none of those things were provided for. I think about these, the discomfort he's feeling as he's literally trudging through the rain, just trying to stay warm in a t-shirt and shorts. That deep felt need of, I need to be warm. I know I need this, but yet I don't have it. And if we are being very truthful with ourselves, how many times do all those emotions come to us when it comes to our relationship with God? Right? There's that uncertainty of, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what God's going to ask me to do. There's that slight discomfort of like, I know I need to pray, but I don't know how to pray. I know there's, I, I know there's, I should be doing this, but I'm not. And then we all know that deep felt need, that need that's just deep down within us that we just, we, we can't even sometimes pray about it because it is just so near and so daunting. And we think about all of these things and we try to bring it to God. And it can seem so impossible. And so my message today is called knowing God. Something we are passionate about here at the bridge is knowing God. If you, if you go through our purpose, Chris is going to unpack these in the next few weeks, but knowing God, finding freedom, finding your purpose, these are all things that are core values to us. But it all starts with knowing God. Because the reality is God already knows us, right? In Psalm chapter 139, it says, God created us in our inmost being. He knit us together in our mother's wombs. I love what it says in Luke chapter 12. It says, the hairs on our head are numbered. God knows the number of hairs on our head. And so when it comes to knowing God, so many times I feel like it feels like we need to initiate it. We feel like we need to do all the work. But in reality, God already knows who we are. It's just a matter of getting to know him. Because God is so passionate about us that he knows just the most inner parts of who we are. And he knows us better than anyone ever will. Okay? My mom, I love my mom. My mom knows me better than anybody other than my wife. Like, my mom is awesome. My wife is awesome. But the reality is them combined will have no idea the inner parts of who I am. God knows us so intricately, so detailed, because he literally created us before we were even a thought, before we were even conceived. So as we look through this idea of the blind side, I want to take it through, uh, through the story of a man named Peter. Okay, because I love watching movies, and it's a very true story, but at the same time, I, I think there is a very true principle in the movie that we also see in Scripture through a man named Peter. And Peter was a fisherman. Where are my fishermen at? Okay. They're not here because they're fishing right now. It's Labor Day weekend, okay? They are fishing because real life starts this week, all right? So Peter 
He was fishing. He was a fisherman by default. He was uh, from Galilee, so he literally lived right in the region of the Sea of Galilee. Just imagine, like, you're living on Lake Malax. That's, type, that's Peter's type of situation right now. He lives right on the water. It's all he does. It's all he thinks about. It's all he breathes. But Peter, um, they, he's literally defined in the Bible as being impetuous. Okay? If you don't know what impetuous means, um, it's a very nice way of saying he's kind of an idiot. Okay? He's, he, he just doesn't always think through what he's doing. He's one of those guys that's very impulsive and just kind of does whatever he thinks is best in that moment without really thinking through the ramifications of what's coming. And so uh, Peter, we see him just like Big Mike. Peter, in the same way, is, is going through the same thing when it comes to Jesus. It's not exactly sure how it happens because in the Gospel of John, we see that, that Peter is invited to come to meet Jesus because his brother Andrew met him first so jesus meets andrew and andrew's like whoa that guy is crazy you got you, i gotta get my brother quick so he can see this and you know rips him over here but then in matthew in the book of matthew and mark we see that while they were fishing and jesus came out to meet them and so it's not entirely sure how they first met everyone remembers it differently and by everyone i mean the writers of the bible um but either scenario i want you to see a very key thing Jesus pursued Peter. Peter wasn't looking for Jesus. Peter wasn't looking to go know more about Jesus. He didn't even know who Jesus was. Jesus, whether he went and talked to Andrew and then talked to Peter, whether he went out to them while they were fishing, Jesus made the first move. Jesus pursued them more importantly. He is the one who said, you know what? I've called you. I know who you are, Peter. It's this very powerful moment. And that pursuit, that, that, that fervent thing of, I need to go find Peter. I need to go and, and, and meet Peter and have that relationship is the very same pursuit that we find in our lives too. Sometimes it can be like, well, that must be nice that Jesus was looking for you, that Jesus was, was going after you, Peter. It must be so nice. But the reality is, I love what Ted said, because the reality is that God's already with us. God's already been trying to speak to us. God's already been trying to get to our attention. God's already trying to make us aware of him. He knows us. He created us but we don't always know him. And so there's this reality of where we need to go, instead of just trying to find God and look, God, where are you? God, I need, I need you, God, where are you? He's already here. So what if we just said, you know what, God, make me aware of where you are. God, calm my, calm my spirit, calm the things inside of me that are making me not see you. Because the cool thing is that every single person in this room is in a different spot. We might have a person in this room who's an atheist. You don't believe in God. We have someone who might be agnostic, which is a fancy word of saying, I'm not sure what I believe, or I'm indifferent. We have some people who have been loving Jesus for longer than I've been alive. But the cool thing is that the pursuit is the same. God's pursuing the atheist just as much as he's pursuing the one that's been following him his whole life. Because God is a God of love. He's a God that just cares about us. He's a God that created us. But so many times we feel like we need to look for him. Like we need to just push the magic buttons and do the right things just to get his attention, to, to make him aware of our needs. And the whole time we're just try, striving, saying, God, notice me. God, God, I need you. Where are you at? And as we're going to unpack here, he's, ne- he's never left. So if, when it comes to knowing God, because I think it, if we got down to it, a lot of people at some point in their life, whether they're doing that now or at some point, well, we want to know God. We want to know more of who he is. We want to have that relationship with him. And so to know God, we got to know his character, right? You all have those people in your life that you know really well. When you first go meet somebody, you start the conversation off like, hey, what's your name? 
so-and-so, right? Like, where are you from? What do you do? Like, what are some of your favorite hobbies? But then you have those people in your life that you know a little too well, right? The ones that you, like, know that, like, when you're in a room and something gets said that you know they don't like, you're sitting there praying, I hope they don't open their mouth right now. I just pray, Jesus, if you are real, please silence their tongue because this is about ready to just launch into a whole on argument, right? There's those people you know that well, right? You know them so well. You know what they're going to do before they do it. You know their values that they stick by. You know how they process, how they think. What if we had that same principle, that same connection with God? What if we had that same in-depth part of, I don't know what, how this is all going to unfold, but I know who God is. I know his character. What if we knew that even though my situation right now, even though I can't see how I'm possibly going to get out of this crappy situation, I know that God is faithful. I know he's strong. I know he's able. So I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. That is what knowing God is all about. And so to know who God is, we got to know his character. we got to know his values. we got to know who he is. And so when we look at the Bible, there are all kinds of characteristics that are backed up by the Bible, what it says he is. And God is love. First John chapter 4. These might not be on the screen for you. So you might have just kind of tuned into what's going on because i got a lot of scripture for you. God is love. First John chapter 4. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is faithful and patient. Second Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. God is a God of peace. Right? We could use some peace in our world, right? Whether it's the peace between our two ears or whether it's the peace in our nation or the peace in our world when everything else is chaotic. We see that God is a God of peace. Psalm chapter 4. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Provider, right? We all need God to provide for us one way or another. I love what it says here in Matthew chapter 6. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable? than they. When you're ever in a season, you just don't know if God's going to ever come through. If you're facing financial difficulties, I want you to do something and just look outside because the very birds of the air are are being fed by God. And how much more valuable are you than birds, right? It's such a powerful understanding that God sees you even if you don't know him. Okay. God is strong. Psalm chapter 18. God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. He's compassionate. Psalm chapter 116. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion, and God is constant. Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need that, right? Because that means that the same God who split the Red Sea, the same God who made Peter walk on water, the same God that we read about in the Bible who does all these amazing miracles is the same God that's going to be here for us today and the same God that's going to be here for us tomorrow when we're going through our, our junk. He's constant. I want you to notice a theme with all these different characteristics. Are any of them bad? Right? And so how cool is it to know that the God who is strong, peaceful, faithful, provider, strong, is the same God that is so crazy about you and me that he's going to give his life to make us aware of who he is. That same strong God is the same God that we go, yes, I need him in my life. In the reality, he's just waiting for you to open the heart door to your heart. He already knows you. Here he knows me. We have to know him. 
And part of that is knowing his character because so many times we put God in a box. You put God into a box of religion. Well, I think God should do this. God doesn't operate that way, right? We have some well-meaning pastors, some well-meaning churches, some well-meaning people who are trying to explain God, and sometimes in reality it can be destructive. Well, God doesn't operate that way, so I don't know what you're waiting for. We put God in this box. And so instead of having this idea of God as strong and faithful provider, all this stuff, we, we, it almost feels like sometimes, at least I've felt this way, if you want to be a good little Christian, you just got to sit, sit down, shut your mouth, and be quiet. And just hope, right? But that's not the God we read about in the Bible. God is strong. He's fighting for you. He's, he's, he's going after the things. It talks about justice. When you're doubting and questioning why life is so cruel, sometimes it's so easy to be like, God, this is your fault. God, why have you not been there? And in reality, maybe he's just trying to get our attention a little bit. Maybe we just need to get to know him better. And that is exactly what happened in Mark chapter 5 with Peter. In Mark chapter 5, there is a synagogue leader who's essentially uh, just like saying he's, he's a pastor. And so what's happening is his 12-year-old daughter is very, very ill to the point of she's about to pass away. And so the man says, you know what? I've heard about this man named Jesus. He's healed people. He's opened the eyes of the blind. I need to go find him and have him pray over my daughter. And so he rushes out of his house to try and find Jesus. At the same time, Jesus is walking this way. And so he hears about this. So he's literally walking through crowds of people who all want his attention. And all of a sudden, the guy finally gets to him. He finally gets to Jesus and says, it's just Jesus, I need your help. My daughter's going to pass away. My daughter's dying. I need you to come over and pray for her. So Jesus says, you know what? Yes, I will call, I'll go that way. But because he's walking through crowds of people, it's slow. So by the time they finally break through the crowd and start heading towards his house, the man's servants meet them halfway and say, I'm sorry, sir. She just passed away. Couldn't imagine that thought of your, your daughter just passing away and you know you can't do anything. I want to see what happens in Mark chapter 5, verse 36. What's happening is all of them are saying, don't even waste your time coming anymore. Don't even, just don't even, it's over. Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, some word in Greek or Aramaic, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. Crazy story. Crazy story. I can only imagine the parents, how excited and happy they were. But I want you to catch something about Peter, right? Because Peter and two other disciples were in the room with him. Peter, up to this point, has had Jesus speaking to him, teaching him, saying, I am all these things. I am the healer. I am the teacher. I can do all these awesome things. He's been saying this the whole time. But then, Jesus goes into this room and does what he said he would. It's no longer just head knowledge. It's an experience. 
It's no longer just, I know he could do this. It's now I, I know he can. And I think that's so powerful to understand because over and over there are situations that happen like this where Peter experienced Jesus being Jesus. He experienced Jesus moving in his life, moving in the lives of others. It was no longer just a head knowledge. It was a, a heart knowledge of I know God is for me. I know God is behind me. I know God is for people. I know he can do all this stuff. And it was an experience. And so when it comes to knowing God, it's not just a head knowledge. It's not just something that you do at once and you give your life to Christ and that's it. It's, a, it's an experience over and over and over again where you know God by the way you live your life. You know God by you walk through life and you get to know how he is a part of your life every single day. Because God is always giving examples of his character, of who he is. And knowing his character allowed Peter to know God on a much more personal and intimate level. And when that happens, you start to understand the bigger picture of what's really going on. Well, at least it looked good coming off the bus. I'll be terrified till they realize he's a marshmallow. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Give me a minute, Bert. We're in the middle of practice, Leanne. You can thank me later. Mike, do you remember when we first met and we went to that horrible part of town to buy you those dreadful clothes? And I was a little bit scared and you told me not to worry about it because you had my back. Do you remember that? Yes, ma'am. And if anyone tried to get to me, you would have stopped them, right? And when you and SJ were in that car wreck, what did you do to the airbag? Stopped it. You stopped it. You stopped it. This team is your family, Michael. You have to protect them from those guys, okay? Listen. Okay. Tony here's your quarterback, all right? You protect his blind side. When you look at him, you think of me, how you have my back how you have his, okay? All right, Tony, go back. All right. Oompa Loompa here is your tailback. When you look at him, you think of SJ and how you've never let anyone or anything hurt him. You understand me? All right, go back. Got it? What about Collins and Mr. Tilly? Fine, they can be on the team too. Are you gonna protect the family, Michael? Yes, ma'am. Good boy. Then go have some fun. I don't condone this next part, just to be clear. Yelling at him doesn't work, Bert. doesn't trust men. In his experience, they pretend to care about you till they disappear. Want to run a play? SJ, you're going to want to get this.
What did you say to him? You should get to know your players, Bert. He tested 98% in protective instincts. I said you could thank me later. It's later, Bert. I love this movie. So good. To know God, you got to know how he speaks to us. Just like God knew how to speak to Peter. Exactly how he needed to. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. The Sea of Galilee really is just a lake. It's a very deep lake. I was actually at that lake when I was in Israel. It's a really cool place. But when you have to know, it, know about the Sea of Galilee, it's at the bottom of the Rift Valley. And so it creates a chute right down to the lake. And around the lake are a bunch of hills. Okay, So you have a big bowl, essentially. And so storm clouds and, and, and storms and winds will come down the Rift Valley and just go down it like a chute. And then when it gets to the lake, it just swirls, and that wind has nowhere to escape. So even though it's a relatively small lake, it's much smaller than Lake, lake Malax, when you get a windstorm in there, it's really bad news. The level of bad news that you're looking at 10-foot swells and treacherous conditions. And an experienced fisherman knew that. So in verse 25, we pick up, it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples, who were a lot of fishermen, by the way, saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, and then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus knew that the thing that Peter knew the most was fishing. Peter knew fishing inside and out. He knew when to get on the water, when to get off. He knew when he should go out to get fish and when he shouldn't. He knew where to go and where not to go. Peter knew fishing the best. It was what he knew inside and outside. And if we we look into an in-depth part of it, it was his experience. It was what he was comfortable with. When Jesus is eventually crucified and then comes raised back to life, in his fear, Peter doesn't go on and do awesome things for Jesus. He goes back to what he knows, which was fishing. And I love how Peter is highlighted in this story because of all the fishermen, Peter was likely the most experienced. He was the veteran. He was the one who knew fishing the best out of all the disciples. And the disciples are freaking out in the middle of this storm because they're in the middle of the storm. As a good fisherman knows, they know there's no coming out of this. When you look at the ancient text, when you look at what the theology of spirits were back at the time, a lot of times people who were close to death would see what they think are ghosts because it was almost their way of saying, like, I'm about ready to die. A lot of times we think of like our life flashing before our eyes, and in a lot of ways back here, the spirit theology of this was that if you saw a ghost, like you're about ready to die. So you can imagine the feelings and the emotions that are happening in the situation of they know we're in really big trouble. 
We're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. There are 10-foot swells. And we're not talking about your nice fancy bass boats that you have now, okay? We're talking little canoes, essentially, that they're out in the middle of the storm with. And here they are thinking they're seeing a ghost. So they know they're in really tough trouble. But here comes Jesus walking on the water. So Peter gets out of the boat. He starts walking towards him. And when he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to sink. He starts to get in really big trouble. And Jesus picks him up and says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? It is so powerful to me that he chose Peter and that Peter was the one who stepped out. Remember, Peter's impetuous, right? He doesn't really think impulsively, right? He is so desperate to get out of the situation. He's like, Jesus, if you're Jesus, let me just walk out on the water because that'll help things a whole bunch. Because I'm so much safer out walking on water in the middle of the boat. But I think this is purely speculation, but I just think that there's just that felt need of Jesus, I know who you are. I know you can save me. So if that's really you, I don't care what I got to do. I just need you right now, Jesus. And Jesus knew exactly how to get Peter's attention because he knew that Peter knew fishing. He knew that he was in trouble. He knew that Peter was well aware of how much he needed Jesus to show up in that moment. And so a lot of times Jesus will do the same thing for us. I am not saying Jesus will cause storms for you. I'm not saying that the very bad things in your life that are happening right now are all God's fault. But I am saying that I believe Jesus intends to use them to get our attention. He has a desire to use even the junkiest of situations to prove how good and faithful he is. Because the very things that we know the most are the things that we find the most security in. And so a lot of times God will penetrate most into us, get our attention the most, when the very thing we like to fall back on isn't there anymore. Peter knew he was in trouble. He knew he shouldn't be out on the water, but when he was out in the water, that didn't do him any good. His knowledge could not save him at that point. He was purely reliant on Jesus showing up and showing off in that moment. And I think that God desires to do the very same thing in our life. If you're walking through a storm right now, I want you to no longer say, God, get me out of this storm. God, help me. God, if you're really real, then get me the heck out of here. And instead, shift your perspective to God. What are you trying to show me? God, what are you trying to do in my life? Because there must be something powerful that's coming. And when you have that perspective, everything starts to change. You start to get the bigger picture. You start to have all this awesome stuff. You start to get a much better clip of what's going on. So as we finish today, I want to show this last clip from the blind side. How is it going to be a different experience for you, Michael? SJ, stop it. Be lots of distractions. Have fun. I was going to be some Nimrod that don't want to play video games all night or <laughs> fool around on the internet. Just have fun. And you will be spending a lot of time at practice, which means which means you'll have to be very dedicated to your studies. All right. <laughs> SJ, if you don't stop it, right? Come here. Relax, Mama. I just got back from the library. I reserved a private cubicle for the semester. Here's your class schedule and our study hall hours. Now, if y'all don't mind, I'm going to go move into my new apartment. Thank you, Miss Sue. Thank you, Miss Sue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see what you got. College writing, good. Psychology, math lab. It's going to be good. Cause I don't know why. A lot of good classes. You're going to have a lot of fun. All right. Well, 78 is going to be a parking lot, so we should get going. I want everyone to say their goodbyes, all right? Here. Bye, baby. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome.
Why she always do that? She's an onion, Michael. You have to peel her back a layer at a time. You're right back. best part of the movie is it all comes full circle. Comes from where she was just picking him up off the street to giving him a life, an education, future. This is where it all began. And the true story of Michael Orr is that he would go on to be really good here at college and then get drafted by the Ravens in the NFL and he would play. Just a powerful, powerful thing. What I love about that story is God's the same way. What I didn't share about Peter is Peter was very excited about God. He knew God. He got the most intricate and most personal with Jesus out of a lot of the disciples. He got behind the, the curtain and got to see a lot of cool things about Jesus. But when a push came to shove and it was time for Peter to really stand up for his faith, stand up for Jesus, when Jesus was getting ready to get crucified, three different times he denied even knowing Jesus. He said, you know what, I'm not associated with him because if I associate with him, you're going to kill me. So instead of being bold and standing up for his faith, he crumpled in fear and he failed. But I love what it says in John chapter 1. After Jesus is crucified for three days, he spends it in the tomb. And on the third day, he rises again, which is why we celebrate Easter. It's a very powerful moment. But Jesus comes back and walks the earth for a little bit before he is ascended into heaven. But before he goes into heaven, his first mission, one of his first missions is to go and find Peter in John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter was distraught and destroyed knowing he failed Jesus. And Jesus knew that Peter loved him still. But Jesus made it a point to go back to him three different times to redeem the mistakes that he made. To know God is to know his love for his people. Of all the characteristics about God, we can say that he's strong, he's faithful, he's constant. The one at the very top is that God loves his people. He loves his creation. The Bible begins with God creating all the stuff we see and then creating humans. He loves his people. And guess what, you guys? You are his people. I am his people. 
God is so crazy about you that even though you're not perfect, even though you make mistakes, he is in the business of redeeming those things because he cares about you so much to not destroy yourself, but to find your worth, your joy, and your happiness in him. And when you know how passionate and how in love with his people you are, you start to understand that you are able to do whatever it is he's calling you to do. It is so easy for us to just undersell ourselves and say, I could never do that. When God's saying, I've been waiting for you to wake up this whole time because, yes, you can. Through me. Wherever you are at today, I just want you to know God is fighting for you. He's fighting behind you. He is fighting with you. And so on a real practical level, I'm, I'm a practical guy. I like to know where, where we go. Because, yes, this can all be fine and dandy, but what do you do with this? The best way to know about God and about his character is to read about him in the Bible. Okay, So if you are looking to just dive in, I really recommend, I tell this to all my youth students, if you're newer to reading the Bible or you're trying to jump back in, the book of Matthew is amazing. It talks all about the life of Jesus. And find a translation that fits you. Okay, I can't read Shakespearean language. Can't. So King James Version, can't do it. You're not sure what the King James Version is? Thy hath eaten popcorn after thy church. He ate popcorn, man. That's all you need to know, okay? Find a translation that makes makes sense to you, okay? Some of us can get so bombarded with the stress and the worries of the world that we can't even find where God is because we're so stressed out. I'd encourage you to find some worship music. Find different ways to let God be a part of your life every single day, okay? Some of you just need to just understand and be patient and just know God loves me. Slow down. We're so busy. It would be so tough to spend time with God, right? Slow down. Because God is speaking every single day of your life, all the time. But if we don't give him the time to listen, we're missing out. And that doesn't hurt him, it hurts us. Because he's speaking life, he's speaking his truth over our lives. And if we miss that, we miss him. Let me do with this, let me... Let me do this as we pray and close. If you're in that spot or maybe you you knew Jesus at one point or even you know a lot about him now, but you don't have that personal relationship with him. That's what we're all about. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, which is why we need Jesus, right? To do that, yeah, to have that personal relationship with him. It's as simple as starting it up again. If you've been far away and you want to come back to him, it's as simple as saying, you know what, God? You're here, right? So come into my life. I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. He's there. That simple. God is a God of love, compassion. When I pray here in a second, if that's you, I just want you to say to yourself, maybe in your own head or out loud, God, I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. Come into my life. He's right there. That's the beauty of it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. God, you are pursuing us right now in this moment. So even if we're running away from you, even if we're resisting you, God, you will stay right with us because you love us, you care for us, you know us. So God, help us to know you more. God, when we see the big giants, the big battles we face, may we not see this big immovable obstacle. May we see the God who's able to obliterate that and make a way. God, when we're in the season, we don't feel good enough. We don't feel like we can do anything constructive. God, would you speak your life and your truth over us, saying that we are called 
that we are yours and that we are loved. And God, if we are in a season, in a space where we don't even know where to go or what to do, God, may you just speak in the silence. May you speak around us, God, because you know that you have a desire for us, not for ourselves, but for you and for your people. So God, may we not walk out of this place just looking for ourselves, but looking to those around us because God, there you are everywhere. And you desire to move in the hearts of your people, in the hearts of this community, in the hearts of what's going on. So God, may we take this joy, may we have this relationship with you that walks out and doesn't just stay in this building, but penetrates the St. Francis community, the Minnesota community, the world community. God, you desire to love your people. So may we know that in the depths of our hearts that we can take that to the world. Lord, we're thankful for you. For those who just want to welcome you into their heart, God, may they feel that peace and joy of you as they walk out. We love you, Jesus, in your name that we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.